0: Tuesday on Law and Gospel on this September the 6th in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we'll be taking a look with Pastor Mark Smith, the hymn Jesus Sinners Doth Receive. It was written by Erdman Neumeister, who died in 1756. He was a pastor in Hamburg and really was a prolific writer he wrote 722 original church hymns and a detailed explanation of Luther's small catechism. In fact, his hymns were so well appreciated that some of his texts were set to music by J.S. Bach. Now, Neumeister, in his sermons and writings, was a brash opponent of the theology and practice of pietism. In fact, in 1736, an anonymous play was published in Leipzig that really criticized pietistic teachings. Enraged pietists falsely assumed that Neumeister wrote the play and as a retribution smashed the windows of his home in Hamburg. Yet Newmeister was controversial, even among some Orthodox Lutherans, because he permitted an operatic style of music to be used in church. And that's a little bit why J.S. Bach chose to set music to his hymns. He often would close his sermons at St. James Church with an original hymn that fit the assigned text of the day from the lectionary. In fact, this hymn, Jesus Sinners Doth Receive, followed his 1718 sermon on Luke 15 for the third Sunday after Trinity. Originally, the hymn had eight stanzas, but our hymnal has omitted the original fourth stanza. At this time, there is, no doubt, a setting for this hymn for proper 19. And that's this coming Sunday, with the text being from Luke 15. Pastor Mark Smith, do you end every sermon with them singing a hymn you wrote?
1: No. No, I'll tell you, I'm in in awe over this guy. You say he wrote over 700 hymns? Yes. My goodness. I just can't imagine that.
0: I know. 700 hymns. And this one here originally had eight stanzas. It's down to seven right now.
1: I wonder what was wrong
0: with the eighth stanza. No, it was Uh, number four. Four, stands, number four. What was? Uh, I wonder what it, was. Was there a problem it, with it? Yeah, the committee thought it was almost too close to, you know, inviting Jesus into your heart. Stance. Oh, uh huh, uh huh, yeah. So um, hmm. that was omitted. But um, as I said, what is this text based on? Uh, Luke. Fifteen. And that's the gospel for this coming Sunday. The parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. That's right. The two of them together. And that's pretty well explained by the Old Testament reading from Ezekiel 34, which talks about Jesus searching for the sheep and he seeks them out. Mm -hmm. And that's really fits well with Luke 15. So uh, is that what you're preaching on? Yes. uh, More, more on the,
1: uh, yeah, on, on uh, both of those, uh, the lost, the lost sheep and the lost coin. Right.
0: Yes. I know on Sunday they did a repeat broadcast and what I had done was first Timothy, uh, chapter one for the broadcast repeat. But I'm going to be talking on Luke 15, I think, also. It's one of my favorite verses. All right. In fact, the whole, you know, that whole chapter.
1: And then uh, it's got those three parables of the lost the lost lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son, the parable, uh, parable of the prodigal son.
0: I like calling it the lost two sons. Right, right. I guess that will be next week. We'll see. All right. If you would read stanza one of Jesus sinners doth receive. Okay. Jesus sinners doth receive. Oh, may all this
1: saying ponder. Who in sin's delusions live and from God and heaven wander. Here is hope for all who grieve. Jesus sinners doth receive.
0: Now, what does that mean, hope for all who grieve? What are they grieving about? Well, uh,
1: when, when the law has brought us to our knees, the Holy Spirit working through the law brings us to our knees and helps us realize what a lost and, and damned creature we would be. We, there, there's no way out that we could, that we could make ourselves... Uh, anyone that's brought to, that, brought to their knees by the law, uh, good news, wonderful news, that there is a
0: way out that God has made through Jesus Christ. And that first verse is emphasizing there is hope for all who grieve, because yes. that's how the devil really gets involved with unbelievers, is having them grieve over their sins and yes. even christians often wonder will i be saved because of the sins that i have done yeah and he drives us we're driven to despair i mean if that's the see that's that's
1: really the way judas died he was sorry for what he did but uh he died in despair he thought there was no uh, no forgiveness for
0: him yeah that's a good example to give that uh And the Pharisees, of course, had the opposite. They thought they were good enough, so they did not have to despair looking at their obedience to the ceremonial laws as a way of salvation. And Paul said that was all garbage as he came to faith in Christ. All right, I'll read stanza two. We deserve but grief and shame, yet his words rich grace revealing pardon peace and life proclaim here our ills have perfect healing firmly in these words believe jesus sinners doth receive so we say this in the liturgy sometimes about that we're deserving nothing but grief and shame right Right, that's in the uh, abs, the uh, confession of sins. Exactly, and it's interesting. We always begin each worship service with what words? With the uh, invocation. Yes, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what does that remind us of? Our baptism. Yes, in fact. Um, I did a baptism last Sunday in one of the services I did. And uh, most of the family was there, uh, including uh, grandparents and others. Some had come long distances, and it was really interesting uh, to explain to them that we had a problem with the Old Testament reading where Moses says, if you obey the commandments, then you will live. Yes. And yet Ephesians says, you're not saved by obeying the commandments. That's right. And, and so we had to explain that. And the way it was explained was by Moses in that passage from Deuteronomy 30, where what was the item that Abraham did that God instructed him to do? Uh, he was, uh, let's see, uh, I'm trying to think now. He was, oh,
1: he was looking up into the sky, and uh, he says, so so shall your offspring be. And he believed God, and it was reckoned to him
0: as righteousness. And the uh, item that God instructed him to do was circumcision. That's That's, that's another instance, right. Yeah. Well, Paul... Uh, Moses talks about in Deuteronomy 30 that the way we're able to obey the commandments is God is going to circumcise our heart, right? And what does that refer to? You're giving us faith.
1: He's gonna. He's gonna do it all. The new covenant. And how? He's how the does new covenant. He, he he's gonna establish a new covenant with us, one which he will. He will do it all.
0: But how is he going to do it? Through his son, Jesus Christ. No, that's not what Moses is talking about. All right. He's talking about by circumcision of the heart. Right, which is baptism. Yes, that's found in the Bible, that the new circumcision is baptism. And so what I was saying is that this baby infant she was being taken from the kingdom of satan and put into the kingdom of god through the words that we said in baptism and that's why she can have confidence that heaven will be her home
1: yes you know, there's only two. There's only two kingdoms. You're either in Satan's clutches or you're in Christ's kingdom. Why would anyone want to put a baptism off of their child? I mean, it's uh, that's what brings that child safely into Christ's kingdom, and we could be absolutely certain that that child is now an heir of heaven and a child of God once he's baptized.
0: Because of the promises that Peter spoke about at Pentecost, be baptized and you will receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the holy spirit and that's why we do good works in fact um i made this point in the sermon as a parent and i'm sure you as a father could get your children to do anything you wanted them to do like let's say you wanted to make sure they were home from school after playing baseball at five o'clock because that's what time you had dinner And so the way that you make sure is that you would threaten them by the law if they didn't get home. Like, if you're not home at 5 o'clock when we eat dinner, you won't be allowed to watch television that night. Well, Paul says in the reading to Philemon, he could have demanded from Philemon, but instead he wanted to have Philemon make the decision because of his love for jesus christ and right that's why moses is talking to believers who are going to be used by the holy spirit to do good works not in order to save them because they're already saved because they have faith in the promises of jesus christ okay stanza three please
1: Sheep that from the fold did stray, no true shepherd e'er forsaketh. Weary souls that lost their way, Christ the shepherd gently taketh. In his arms, that they may live, Jesus' sinners doth receive.
0: That really gives a different picture of Luke 15 than unfortunately what some Christians have when they say, well, the way I am saved, I invite Christ into my heart. You'd have to change the parable that the sheep sees Jesus coming, jumps out of the hole, runs to Jesus, jumps on his shoulders, and says, I invite you to take me home.
1: Yeah, and you'd also have to have the coin that is lost hop right back into the the vessel that it was lost from. Have you ever seen it? Coin that that was lost uh, somewhere in, in a dark room, hop back into the piggy bank or whatever. That that's ridiculous, and it, that's the and point. The, point it, that's the it, point it, that God is making. It's it's He that has gone out. The Good Shepherd has gone out seeking the lost sheep, and uh, it talks about a woman looking for the lost coin. God God is the one that takes
0: initiative, not us. In other words. We're described like a coin which cannot jump, cannot right. be found. We have to be found, and that's what this this particular verse says. No true shepherd ever forsakes his sheep. Because a lot of people don't realize that sheep are not the smartest animals on the farm. That's right. <laughs> and uh, pigs are a lot smarter Cows are a lot smarter, other animals are, but sheep wander, and falling into a hole, getting lost, is not unusual. And that's what unbelievers are always doing, that they are straying from the true fold. Okay, Uh, stanza four, please.
1: I, a sinner, come to thee with a penitent confession. Savior, mercy show to me. Grant for all my sins remission. Let these words my soul relieve. Jesus' sinners doth receive.
0: Now, how do we understand, I, a sinner, come to thee, if Jesus is the one coming to the sinner?
1: Well, he's the one, he's the one that has brought us to repentance. Through the preaching of the law.
0: Yes, very good. That we end up coming to Jesus because once the law is preached, and the law always must preach first, simply because people don't realize they need a Savior until they realize the dilemma that they're in. Remember, part of our liturgy in the hymnal says that I can't do anything to get rid of my sins everything is done by jesus
1: yeah tom don't you think the writer of this hymn might be thinking of the parable of the prodigal son the lost son in that fourth verse no. what do you think you don't no. think so
0: okay no. why cuz well, why because- does the son return to the father to manipulate him, right? Yes.
1: But, I, but I, to, wondered, I wondered if the hymn writer really understood that. A lot of people don't understand that. And, the, and they may be fine Christians, but they don't understand uh, really what's behind that son returning.
0: Yeah, the son is returning because he is trying to figure a way to get back in the graces of the father, which right. is the very opposite of the teaching of the lost sheep. Mm-hmm, There's nothing right. about the sheep that tries to get back when the graces. He just realized he's lost. And I can understand with what joy he would have when the shepherd finds him, rescues him, puts him on his shoulders, and takes him home. Okay, I'll read stanza five. five. Oh, how blessed it is to know were as scarlet my transgression, it shall be as white as snow by thy blood and bitter passion. For these words I now believe Jesus sinners doth receive." Okay, in in our society, of course, there's a real problem with some people thinking that being white is privileged, which it is not. Uh, being a white person versus being a colored individual. So what does this mean? How are all believers white as snow? Well, that's right out of Scripture. Though your sins be as scarlet, they
1: shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Yeah, I can imagine uh, people from the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, perspective wouldn't like this but it's there's another hymn wash your robes and make them white we shall walk with god in light i mean there's darkness you talk about the darkness of sin the darkness of satan's kingdom and uh, jesus is the light you and he says you're the light of the world that's not the, it's not a racial thing at all it's just uh... it's light as opposed to darkness The light of the gospel as opposed to the darkness of sin, death.
0: No, you really hit it on the head when you talked about the garment. Because it doesn't matter what nationality you are, what race you are, if you are a believer, you will be wearing that white garment of salvation, which refers to the forgiveness of sins. And how do we make them white? I find that very interesting in the Bible. they become white by in the dipping blood of them Christ, in. yes, in the blood Isn't of Christ yes, in the blood of Christ, yes, and that's where the cross comes in. all right, I'll read stanza six now, my conscience is at peace from the law. I stand acquitted. Christ hath purchased my release and my every sin remitted. Not remains my soul to grieve, Jesus sinners doth receive. If you're teaching this to a little child, you might have to explain what the word not means. It's N-A-U-G-H-T. What does that mean? Nothing. Yes. Nothing
1: remains my soul to grieve. Every last sin has been remitted. That's another word you might have to explain. What's remission? It's forgiveness. Every every last sin, the last sin that I commit on my last dying day has already been washed away in baptism.
0: Yeah, it means forgiveness that God is no longer holding you accountable for your sin because he holds his son accountable. Right. What I really love about this verse six, it actually mentions the law. Yes. Talk about a law and gospel hymn. Because where we begin with grieving, now nothing remains my soul to grieve, because right. from the law I stand acquitted. So, what does acquitted mean? Uh,
1: that's declared declared innocent Clair- yes. declared not guilty,
0: yes, even though we are guilty right we 're declared to be not guilty it 's like being that's in right. a courtroom and all the evidence shows you robbed the bank, but the jury says not guilty because they don't either believe the evidence or it 's not sufficient evidence, but in god 's sight you're not guilty. Because Jesus took that guilt and paid for it on the cross.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think of the words uh, of Paul Who shall lay any charge against God, God's elect? It is God who justifies.
0: Yes. And that word justify, you will tie back into what happened to Abraham, right? Right. That's yes. how you it get was justified. Rendered,
1: rendered to him is righteousness
0: because he believed the promise of God, even though it was ridiculous. In fact, I just read an article by a scholar, and you know why he says that he believes there is a God? He said, because none of my dreams come true. Hmm. Huh. And that's really true. The old Adam's dreams, they don't ever come to fruition. Yeah, that's right. That is right. The hopes and the promises of God, which are often not really our dreams. Okay, stanza seven, please, Mark.
1: Jesus sinners doth receive. Also I am forgiven. And when I, this earth, must leave... I shall find an open an open heaven dying still to him I cleave Jesus sinners doth receive
0: How is heaven opened
1: It's opened it's opened w- w- by Jesus forgiving us He has yes. he has made the way open
0: We talk about a particular understanding in Luther's small catechism, for his example, and maybe you can explain that, because it can be only open if it's locked. And when does Jesus talk about the keys to open it?
1: In, in the office of the keys. When, uh, when he gives to the, his church the, the authority to retain and to remit sins.
0: And when does he do that?
1: Uh, with his disciples.
0: Yes. And the night of the resurrection, whosoever sins you, you remit, they are remitted. Yes. And whosoever sins you retain. retain, they are retained. And so I, as a pastor, cannot read anyone's heart. So, how do we decide whether we can remit or retain sins? What do we look to?
1: we look to their confession the person's confession
0: excellent excellent that's exactly you gotta take them at their word gotta take them at their word right yes so after confirmation say of adults i've often had someone say well will you let me join the church and i say to them no it's not according to me whether you will join the church it's according to you do you believe the summary of God's Word, as taught by Luther's small catechism, large catechism, and those parts of the confession of the Book of Concord. And if they say yes, then I cannot stop them from joining the church. They, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have made that decision. So... Have you done any baptisms or confirmations recently at the church? Uh,
1: I've done I've done several baptisms, not real recently, but I have uh, over the year and a half I've been there. I've done I think uh, I think about three or four baptisms, and I've got a uh, There's one young confirmand that's uh, working. He's he's taking instruction now uh, toward his confirmation day.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's our goal all the time, to have visitors. Everyone is welcome to come to the worship service so that the Holy Spirit may put into their hearts that they are grieving over their sins. And after that, they may really desire to hear more about how God takes care of that grief. That's a wonderful, wonderful text. So... Jesus Sinners Doth Receive, you using it this Sunday?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that's going to be our opening hymn. I, I think I've, my memory serves me correctly.
0: And that's seven verses long. You usually don't like singing that long a uh, hymn. Well, I think, I think I
1: decided to sing it through the fourth verse. And then later on, we're going to use a, a, a similar hymn, four, nine, nine, which six, is Chief four, of Sinners four, Though nine, I Be. Two, two. be.